It is Friday the 28th of February and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, will a new intelligence institution succeed in bringing European nations together in enhancing security? This is not an intelligence sharing arrangement, far from it. It is a, a way of trying to standardise the way they think about intelligence. Also ahead, high expectations over the restoration of the Kalita Humphreys Theatre in Dallas, plus Netflix's first ever African production. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. On Wednesday, 23 European nation officials gathered in Croatia to commit to creating an intergovernmental initiative to enhance European security. It is the first of its kind and it's called the Intelligence College in Europe. Monocle's Louis Harnetto Mara has been following the story. Louis, could you give us a bit of background? What led to the decision to create Intelligence College in Europe? So in 2017, in Macron's Sorbonne speech, he kind of set out an agenda as to how Europe would unify and find a new direction after Trump made the US take a step back from the world stage and move towards isolationism. So Macron saw this as a way for European nations to kind of gather their resources and not necessarily share their information, but learn from one another as to how to gather more information and work together. And now this is how Michael Clark, former director of RUSIP, explained why this new organisation is necessary. That European intelligence agencies find it quite difficult to work together um, on common themes because they operate in different ways and they're all differently structured. So anything which can create a greater sense of harmony, but also to share best practice and to discuss uh, new methods of working. This is not an intelligence sharing arrangement, far from it. It is a, a way of trying to standardise the way they think about intelligence for the future. And of course, it, it relates to uh, Europe after Brexit, uh, in the sense that it, it's a, it's a, a step towards a more unified strategic presence for Europe in world politics. The headquarters of this uh, College of, of Intelligence is going to be in Paris, um, which is fairly significant, actually, even though it will meet in different parts of Europe. This is partly a, a French um, uh, statement that the Europeans have got to stand up on their own much more uh, assertively in the future than in the past. And that's got nothing to do with Britain and Brexit. That's to do with the changing nature of world politics, where the United States is clearly less engaged in European security uh, than it used to be and is likely to be more engaged in Asian affairs for the next 50 or 60 years than in uh, Atlantic affairs. Mm. So I think, yes, it's a, it's a small step on that very long road that the Europeans are now obviously embarked upon. 30 countries in Europe, if they can define some of the key issues that they worry about and the ways in which they can can address those issues, then that is a good thing, but it won't be easily extendable to the globe as a whole. Michael Clark there. Louis, how much do we know of practicalities? How does the European College of Intelligence actually operate? So I suppose there's a problem in that these operations are clandestine by their nature. But um, we know that they're going to be meeting two or three times a year. As he said, they're headquartered in Paris. We know the states that are involved, and that does include the UK, which is important considering they'll be leaving the EU. But um, it's a European mission rather than an EU mission. And we know that there's going to be academics speaking, and there will be spies and former spies and intelligence officials who will be there and discussing best practices and different ways that we can tackle problems that we come across collectively. Monocles, Louis Hannes O'Mara, thank you very much. Up next, some exciting architecture news from Texas.
There is a certain weight of expectation that accompanies restoring the Frank Lloyd Wright building, but it's unlikely to prove too daunting for New York multidisciplinary architecture firm Dilla Scafidio and Renfro. Best known for the High Line and the Shed in the Big Apple, the studio has also made a name for itself, working on historic arts venues, from MoMA and Lincoln Center to this latest project, the Kalita Humphreys Theatre in Dallas, Lloyd Wright's only public building in Texas. The work will be led by Charles Renfro, a native Texan, who will oversee a master plan that includes new buildings and linking the site to a nearby walking trail to shield the theatre from its surroundings. The theatre has been overwhelmed by parking lots and roadways, Renfro says. His approach will seek to slow the site down. No site just yet that the mega firm has any intention of slowing down itself. Staying in America, our US election correspondent Thomas Lewis looks ahead to Saturday's primary in South Carolina. On Wednesday afternoon in Charleston in South Carolina, James Clyburn, a civil rights hero and popular long-serving member of Congress, made his endorsement for president. I know Joe, Clyburn said of the former vice president Joe Biden, but more importantly, Clyburn said, Joe knows us. Clyburn was referring to the community within which he is still a towering figure and enormously influential, South Carolina's large African-American community. Clyburn's endorsement is much sought after in presidential elections. Bill Clinton reportedly telephoned Clyburn in protest after learning that Clyburn was endorsing his wife's rival, Barack Obama, in 2008. It's a hugely important moment for Biden, who's effectively staked his entire campaign on tomorrow's primary in South Carolina, where around 60% of the Democratic electorate is black. There will be some who find this targeting of demographic blocks, characterising them as monolithic voting groups, problematic. While Biden, for example, has deep political roots in black communities throughout the US, it's unlikely he would have been quite as swift to head to South Carolina and as dismissive of Iowa or New Hampshire, which are largely white, had he done well in those states. Distilling voter groups into blocks is understandable in a country as large and as diverse as the US, but they are, like any electorate, nuanced and diverse within the perimeters that are laid out for them on paper. Reflecting those details will be crucial for Democrats in a crowded field and more importantly in the campaign against Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders' overwhelming and surprising victory with moderate voters and Latino voters of all ages in the Nevada caucuses last week proved that point. Whatever happens in South Carolina tomorrow, the eventual Democratic nominee will have to appeal to a broad sweep of the electorate, not only the select few. My thanks to Thomas. Then, elsewhere on today's agenda, after months of political wrangling, Tunisia's parliament yesterday finally backed a new Big Tent coalition government to be led by Elias Fahfah, a former tourism minister and finance minister. The deal is notable for many reasons. First, because the country's largest party, the Islamist Ennahda, backed the coalition, despite not getting approval to lead its own government earlier this year, 
Second, because failure would likely have forced new elections that a country already getting impatient with democracy might have struggled to handle. And third, because it could unlock loan talks with the International Monetary Fund to ease an economic crisis. There is still a tough road ahead for this fledgling democracy, but its ability to reach a last-minute compromise should be praised, not quashed at the starting gate. And Netflix has long been commissioning non-English language series to expand its international appeal, but its latest venture is a big step towards opening up potential for a vastly underrepresented film market. Today the streaming giant releases Queen Sono, its first ever African production. The South African spy thriller is the first in a number of productions from the continent due for release over the next year, which will include animated feature Mama Case Team 4 and high school drama Blood and Water. The film industry is on the rise across Africa, particularly in Nigeria, where Nollywood has evolved from making low-cost, low-fi features to high-quality dramas that are being presented at international film festivals. Netflix stands to benefit from growing its subscriber base in Africa, but more importantly, this is a win for a scene that is finally getting a global platform. Read more about about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I am Marcus Hippi. The Monocle Minute returns on Monday.